Welcome to the North and South of Things podcast, a show dedicated to discussion of topics important to the LGBT community and the community at large. Here are your hosts, Mark and George. Hey kids, welcome to episode 7 of the North and South of Things. This is George in Atlanta, and I'm joined by your other host, Mark in calendar <laughs> boy those big fattyisms get you every time that's right this is mark and i'm in saint paul and uh we're gonna be uh just cooking with gas today george isn't I'm, that right i'm excited i'm excited we're gonna talk about uh some of our favorite uh activities to do while we're at home um i am not the biggest cook on the planet. <laughs> um, but I do find it um, very therapeutic and relaxing to, to cook. For me, it's, it's, um, I tend to eat out a little more than I should um, <laughs> or order in more than I should. But when I need to watch the weight or, frankly, just relax, I, I, nothing, nothing calms me down more than cooking. And I know you, you like to cook a lot. Oh, absolutely. I, I try to make everything that I eat myself. Now, I'm not successful at this in any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> uh, however, it is a cornerstone of, of my life. Yeah. It's, it's how I take care of myself. It's how I nourish myself and, and just that. And it's also a, a kind of a creative thing with me in that uh, I like to try new and different things and techniques and and dishes and it's it's just something that I really enjoy doing and uh, I am so thankful for my uh, seventh grade home economics class that I took in junior high. Wow! Uh, because that's kind of when it all started. Were you, uh, I'm going to be sexist here because no <laughs> boys took home ec in my school. Were you the only boy in the class? No, actually in our school, it was required ah. that all boys and all girls must take both home economics and shop class. Wow. Just the opposite for us. You, uh -huh. you had to take one or the other, but boys always took shop and girls always took home ec mm -hmm. uh, to me home ec would have been far more practical <laughs> for everybody involved well, you know you only had to take one class and uh so you know we learned some very basic things and i i can tell you the first thing that i cooked in that particular class and it was scrambled eggs mm. you know and uh Baking powder biscuits was the baking portion. Wow. You guys, of, you guys tackled baking. Yeah, we did. And as a matter of fact, to this day, uh, that is probably one of the favorite things that I like to do is baking. I think um, that is not my favorite thing. It scares the bejesus out of me. Well, that's uh, because it's chemistry, right? It's you can you can fudge a lot of things. You can't fudge baking. That's true. Um, there's something wrong with that sentence I just said. Um, my inspiration, quite honestly, has come from the rise of the Food Network. Um, mm. I mean, I I've found myself really being willing to take a risk with a dish, uh, or even experiment something of my own. Um, mm. 
and not, and doing it fearlessly because I'm like, what's what big deal? If it doesn't taste bad, throw it away, you know? Uh, That's right. And I've also found that I've picked up things that you see. I, I don't watch a lot of Food Network uh, in the last year. I haven't watched a lot of Food Network in the last mm-hmm. year, but it, it was constantly on um, in probably um, four, four or five hours a day. Uh, mm-hmm. That I would be watching either a portion of or all of a show, and they they repeat um, tips and tricks throughout the shows. You can tell they're all one created by the same network because they mm-hmm. they you know I found myself uh, doing the garlic smash thing with the blade of the knife mm-hmm. and and going what the hell did you just do you I didn't know you could do it. you know I'm like I didn't know I could do that <laughs> I mean I didn't even think about it I was just like I need this garlic I'm I'm gonna do it you know mm-hmm. I even did once I took uh, when the recipe called for minced garlic I even smashed to peel it get it out of its peel mm-hmm. put it on the table chop it up uh, pretty fine then then put salt on it and use the blade of the knife to make it mush. Um, ah. And that's to me is brilliant is that just watching TV makes, you know, watching these folks cook mm-hmm. and experiment and you just, some, some of it is so, so repetitive that you're like, Oh, well I can do that, you know? And mm-hmm. it, so it really motivated me to, to experiment. Exactly. It's, um, you know, you have to eat three times a day. You might as well do it well. That's yeah. kind of my opinion. Um, I, I know since I'm single and I live alone and I have other friends who are single, um, they they look at me because when I tell them the things that I prepare, uh, they're just in awe. They're like, well, I would never do that for myself. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know what? Self-love is important. Right. And if you're not going to do it for yourself, who are you going to do it for? Right. Exactly. Um, and that's kind of kind of where I am. So Now I do see your tweets and uh, I I think mostly tweets um mm-hmm. where you're describing something you're preparing or planning to prepare and I I have generally mm-hmm. the same re- reaction. I'm like, "Wow, that's <laughs> that's really awesome." <laughs> well, uh, would you like to hear uh tonight's uh menu? Please, yes. Okay. Well, um I even though that I've been working on my cholesterol and I've been uh, cooking a lot of vegetarian lately, I still love pork chops. Mm, yum. So um, I get some uh, French butterfly uh, pork chops that I get at Trader Joe's. And uh, one of my favorite uh, recipes as a kid was my mother would take uh, saltine crackers and she would just kind of crush them up into crumbs. She would take uh, pork chops and she would dip them in an egg wash, roll them in saltine crackers, and then just bake them in the oven. Wow. And it was very simple. It was one of my favorite things. But basically, I've kind of taken that same sort of idea and kind of dressed it up and because so the, our tastes change. Yeah. So I will be making uh, a fresh breadcrumb, seasoned breadcrumbs with uh, Italian spices of parsley, sage, oregano, and thyme, and uh, garlic powder. And I will do the very same thing. However, I also add some shredded Parmesan cheese mm. that uh, 
really holds the coating together and then I will bake them. And then I'm also doing a, uh, a fresh fennel and potato. I'm going to roast those with uh, just simply olive oil, garlic, salt, mm -hmm. pepper, and then uh, just steamed broccoli for uh, our veg. Wonderful. It's amazing what you can do with roasting um, anything, uh, any vegetable, garlic, um, salt, pepper, olive oil. Mm -hmm. in the oven 20 minutes <laughs> 350 and bam it's just amazing uh, how roasting brings out a wonderful flavor um back to the breadcrumbs what's your bread source uh well uh, i've been watching my pennies lately i've uh, been having some interesting cash flow issues so um i've been really kind of using what i have on hand and this morning i was going through the freezer and i i found that i had some uh, multi-grain dinner rolls that mm -hmm. I had picked up uh, a few weeks ago that were left over and I put them in the freezer. Uh, so I will take and use those as the base and just I have a small food processor and I will just uh, uh, take them and grind them into uh, basically breadcrumbs. And uh, other times I'll use the panko breadcrumbs uh, which are fantastic for things like pork and fish. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, even the seasoned breadcrumbs that you can find in in your grocery aisle um, right. are, are pretty much. But since I already had this bread on hand, I decided, well, let's just do fresh. Mm -hmm. um, and it, there is a difference between the two. So it's so it's a so you bake it in the oven. You're not frying. No, There's no actually, um, I've thawed them out, and I will simply process them in the food, uh, in in the food processor, and uh -huh. use them as is. Gotcha. It's uh, Jacques Pepin is the one who kind of turned me on to using fresh breadcrumbs uh, rather than the dried. Now I've done. Um, baked in the past, where I'll take fresh bread and make my own breadcrumbs, uh, but I'm I'm feeling a little lazy today, so I'll just use fresh. Love it, love it. I tend to um, I, I I'm a pretty lazy cook, although um, I, I mean I don't like super complex dishes just because mm -hmm. I don't like to. I mean when I when I want to cook, I want to spend time cutting all the vegetables doing the aromatics mm -hmm. and, and, you know, browning the aromatics mm -hmm. and, um, I want to layer the flavors, but I don't want like, I don't like a overly complex recipe. Um, mm -hmm. what's the most complicated thing you've, you've cooked? <laughs> the most complicated thing is, okay, well, pretty much anything from Cook's Illustrated ah, is, okay. is, is kind of what you're describing there. Now I love this, this publication, uh, Cook's Illustrated it comes out, I believe it's like uh, every two months and it's seasonal mm -hmm. and it's it's a wonderful um, magazine that really kind of tells you the background of why a dish works and then they go through the footwork of finding the ingredients and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so I... I love those dishes, and when you do take the time, they turn out absolutely fantastic. But I don't think that's practical on a on a day to day uh, sort of cooking experience. So the most 
complicated one is actually not from them, but it it was a recipe that I came across. It was called the world's best lasagna recipe. Mm. And <laughs> you, you had me at lasagna. <laughs> I, yes, exactly. Now, my mother made a pretty mean lasagna, and I know how she made hers. So I decided to try this recipe. I was having a friend over for dinner, and he loves lasagna, and I love lasagna. And who doesn't love lasagna? Right? Garfield the cat loves lasagna. Get <laughs> so, with it, kids. <laughs> um, it, it was this particular recipe. It took me uh, four hours just to put it together. Wow. And basically you took several different kinds of meat – and you sautéed it, and then you made a sauce, ah. and then you took it, and then you took the meat and the sauce together, and then you cooked that even more, mm-hmm. and then you made uh, the filling with, uh, you know, ricotta cheese or cottage cheese and mozzarella, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, cooking cooking the noodles and everything. I was tired by the end of putting <laughs> this pan together, and it hadn't even been baked yet. Wow. Uh, so, um, I, I think that as far as cooking is the most complicated, uh, dish that I, I would make again, mm-hmm. but, uh, I would probably make two and put one in the freezer. I just wondered, I was just about to ask you if like, if you're going to go through all that exercise, it wouldn't it be great to go ahead and double yeah. the dose? Yeah. And, yeah. Just double it yeah. and, and, uh, put it together. I, um, made, someone bought me, um, I think my friends Mark and Kevin bought me um Ina Garten one of Ina Garten's um cookbooks. She's on mm-hmm. the she has a TV show on the Food Network called The Barefoot Contessa. Mm-hmm. Um which is the name of her former um catering company. She has a recipe for easy lobster paella. Ooh. And I wanted to make Mark and Ke- the aforementioned Mark and Kevin a special <laughs> dinner when I think it was their first time in my new condo f- about four years ago. Uh-huh. And I wanted to do something really special. And um, it's sort of a one-pot de- one meal. Um, it is by far the most – let me just read you the list of ingredients. And you kind of needed to have all this shit ready to go because <laughs> right. there was a process and an order to things. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, quarter cup of olive oil, chopped onions, um, red bell peppers, um, minced garlic, basmati rice, chicken stock, uh, saffron threads, which was not easy to find, um, crushed red pepper flakes, kosher salt, um, ground black pepper, um, perneau, we'll talk about that in a minute, uh, and then cooked lobster meat, uh, kielbasa, frozen peas, flat leaf parsley. And lemons. <laughs> mm. I mean, it was delicious. Um, the very first time I made it, um, I put the full amount of the Perneau, which is a licorice flavored liqueur. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put a third. I think it calls for a third of a cup. It was disgusting. <laughs> oh, I, I'm not a licorice fan anyway. And so uh-huh. the, the second time I made it, I cut that in half. I still didn't care for it. The third time, I just left the Pernod out, period. I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I still have a bottle, a four-year-old bottle of Pernod sitting in my cabinet. Um, but it was it was delicious. The process was fascinating because you just, you know, do this, now do that, put this in. I mean, there was an order to things. You just didn't throw, mm-hmm. sh- throw shit all in the, 
it wasn't a stew. <laughs> you know, you just throw it all in and let it cook. But it was tasty. It was worth the effort. Absolutely. I think uh, the most uh, complicated baking uh, dish that I ever did was I made a cake for my friend Kyle for his birthday. And it wasn't, it was way, way back in, I, I think it was 2004. Uh, I hadn't been in my house for very long and I was starting, I was still getting used to uh, my oven and my stove. And uh, I said, I'm going to make this cake for you. And it's based on a Vienna cake. Mm. And basically what you had to do is first you made some pastry discs that you made. And then you made a white cake. And then you cut those in half. And then you layered it by a layer of cake followed by a raspberry filling topped with uh, the pastry. Now, these are real thin layers, right? They are thin layers. Yeah. Yeah. And then you made a buttercream frosting to go in between everything. Oh, wow. And it literally took me the day, the entire day to make it. And then it needed to rest in the refrigerator for at least 12 hours before you served it. Wow. And I told Kyle that, Kyle, I love you, but since I'm not sleeping with you, I am not making you this cake ever, ever again. <laughs> and I will not make it for anyone unless uh, I'm sleeping with them. Right. That's, that's, that's now uh, the norm. But <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, my gosh. That was terrible. So did it taste as amazing oh, it as it phenomenal. sounds phenomenal yeah it was absolutely phenomenal it, it, you know it brought me back to germany in 1995 where you have you know uh ein bisschen kuchen und kaffee <laughs> you know a little bit of cake and coffee and uh, this is why you see hat m and all of his cake and coffee that mm -hmm. he posts on instagram yeah, how about the McDonald's uh, where he lives? <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, I was I was talking to my friend. She had gone back to Norway to visit her family uh, this summer, and we were talking about the food. And she said, "Well, I did have to go to go to McDonald's at one point, but it tasted good." <laughs> and and I think I think that's true because in a, in a lot of european places they they have a little bit more stringent restrictions on what can and can't be in in mcdonald's food and it's just uh, i don't know maybe it's a better quality or yeah or what have you but it, it but it is different well it, it proves that it can be done and be successful so they they should bring that model here to the states that's right um what are your um must have kitchen aids well, I think it starts with a really sharp, good quality knife. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, uh, I had just uh, sharpened my knives uh, a couple of weeks ago and then proceeded to cut myself oh. quite quite well uh, two weeks ago. And um, I think if you have a very sharp knife, um, if my knife was not sharp, I could have guaranteed you I would have had to go to a trip to wow. urgent care that morning. Ouch. Uh, but it, it was such a clean cut mm -hmm. that I was able to, with 
uh, applied direct pressure uh, kind of avoid that. So I think it starts with a sharp knife. Another thing that I really find indispensable uh, are two other pieces of equipment. One is a good quality garlic press. Mm. I, I have one that I found that basically you can take a clove. You don't have to peel it. You just put it into this garlic press and use it. And it uh, just minces the garlic wonderfully. And you don't have to, you know, when you open it, it all, all the skin and everything just comes out in one hunk. Wow. So it, it cuts down on that. And the other thing that I think is indispensable is a, uh, is a bench dough scraper. Ah. And uh, that, that is really uh, indispensable. It helps with cleanup. Uh, it's really great when you're working with dough, uh, especially if it's uh, for like calzones. Uh, I was working, uh, making some last weekend and uh, my dough was sticking to the counter. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's always good to have a dough scraper available. So do you make your own pasta? I have, yeah. as a matter of fact, and it's uh, I use a basic egg. It's just egg and flour, and uh, it's been a while since I've made it, but it really is a different experience. And if you actually go through the process, I have a pasta roller, um, a little machine that kind mm -hmm. of cranks out sure. things. Yeah. Uh, but nothing beats uh, a fresh batch of fettuccine with a cream and lemon sauce. I honestly don't know if I've ever had fresh-made pasta. I'm not sure I ever ha I've ever had fresh-made pasta. I, I would like to try that because I hear it's just a complete different experience. I mean, it, it it really is, and yeah, it takes some time. Uh, the, the key to that is really. Uh, kneading the dough well and giving it uh, time enough to rest. Uh, that's that's one of the really Im important. Is this to let the gluten set up? Yeah, it's, a, you know, when you know that your dough is uh, at the right consistency is when you can stick your finger in it and it very slowly comes back out to you. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, and then you give it uh, a half an hour to rest, and uh, then you proceed to roll it, and then and then cut it. So, do you um do you have um do you watch any of the cooking shows on TV? Um, I haven't. Uh, I don't have cable, so I'm kind of limited to those things that I can stream. Gotcha. Uh, but one of the best shows that I watched was called Biba's Italian Kitchen. And she's the one who kind of uh, taught me, as it were, how to make that fresh pasta. Um, I would come home from college, and I was still living at home. I was commuting to a local, local college. And I would come home and uh, sit and watch Biba's Kitchen for an hour because that's when it was on. And uh, I learned a lot about Italian cooking mm -hmm. uh, that way. And uh, so 
she's been one of my mentors, of course, Jacques Pepin, mm-hmm. and of course, Julia Child. Of course, on, Julia. Yeah, on PBS. Uh, you know, and uh, I, I, Alton Brown is another one that yeah. is really kind of good, but I know he's a little problematic. Uh, if you go a little bit deeper to some of the uh, discussion around him, he's he's a bit of a misogynist. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's uh, there's a couple of uh, people that are on my Facebook feed that kind of uh, pointed out some of the uh, the the things that are are a little bit problematic when it comes to Alton. Brown. Well, let's but, talk about him for a minute because I was a fan of um, he's he's Atlanta based. Um, <laughs> Or used to be. I don't know if he is now or not. But he did a show, um, Good Eats, Mm -hmm. um, that I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, You know, looked at from the science Mm -hmm. of things and just really spoke, except when he started talking about the science of things, Mm -hmm. but really put it in um, everyday terms that you could understand and would take one topic for the entire episode, like one dish, Mm -hmm. one thing. Um, And I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I have not enjoyed his other shows on... The Food Network, which does, by the way, a horrible job at streaming. I don't think they'd stream. Mm-hmm. Last time I checked, they don't stream a lot, So, which I think is just silly. Um, but he's now doing a show called Cutthroat Kitchen, which is just the stupidest like reality-based. Um, let's say you and I are in a competition, and he will, at the start of the show, will give both of us $10,000, and he will, throughout the episode, present you with... Um, items that could be of benefit to you uh, or could you could use to throw cold water on your opponent mm-hmm. you know like if it's a if it's a steak challenge um, you know he'll bring out a small propane burner and say for five thousand dollars you can make any one of your competitors uh, cook on this and this only for this challenge and just silly shit like that and I'm just I have zero interest in it yeah you know uh, uh- the reality TV show model for cooking, I just, I don't have time for. Um, you know, there's that. And then there's also like MasterChef. Um, while I, it's it's good to have that constraint for creativity and that sort of thing. You know, I, I think, you know, the backbiting of the contestants yeah. and... And that sort of thing. That's you know what it what it does is it it takes something that we do on a daily basis and turns it into a competition of I am better than you, yeah, or I am more superior to you because I can do this or I can thwart you mm-hmm. in your endeavors. And I I just um, who's that other guy who is it? What is it? Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. I actually yeah. I actually like the Master Chef, but when mm-hmm. they when they start pitting the contestants against each other intentionally mm-hmm. to create the drama that's when I sort of check out but I like the actual cooking aspects of it mm-hmm. and there is some added element to the time pressure and the challenges because they're really like one of the last episodes I saw I ever you know like the losers uh, on one particular team uh, it was a team challenge group divided into two the team that lost they had to do a pressure test and it's usually a really hard challenge when this particular one Every one of the contestants had a the head of an animal, and they had to mm. cook with, you know. And and here's the girl who's uh, Indian and vegetarian or vegan, and mm-hmm. she's got this enormous cow's head. 
just skinned mm. and it's it was gross. <laughs> oh. I don't particularly enjoy that some of that nonsense, mm-hmm. but in general I like it. But Gordon has a very ugly past <laughs> in terms of his temperament with his um his uh classmates, his fellow colleagues and now the contestants on his shows. Hell's <laughs> Kitchen is the show that it's like yeah. night and day. Master Chef, he's all nice and sweet. Hell's mm-hmm. Kitchen, he's a complete asshole. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the show that I'm really thinking about that that stands out in my mind is, you know, this is not a nice man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um do you listen to any cooking podcasts? Not with any regularity, but there is one that I think um is is a good quality a podcast and it's geared towards people who who love to eat and uh it's from American Public Media and it's The Splendid Table. I was just googling uh, that show. <laughs> yes, when uh with Lynn Rosetto Casper, yeah. who I've had the immense pleasure of knowing for um uh, many years. Wonderful. And she is just a a wonderful person very approachable. Uh, I remember when I was still working at Minnesota Public Radio and it was a holiday party and we were coming back on the shuttle bus uh, from the venue back to headquarters and uh, I was very distraught and I said, Lynn, what happened? I was trying to make a three-minute stovetop frosting and it broke on me. What did I do wrong? (laughs) And she proceeded to tell me what happened and how I could prevent it in the future. And it, she's just that kind of person. Wow. Uh, you know, I've ran into her at the local um, co-op and saying, okay, you know, hey, is this pharaoh any good? <laughs> you know, and she's just a wonderful woman, love, and uh, it's a it's a great podcast. I love her. That's the only pod, uh, cooking podcast I listen to, and I don't listen to it as regularly as I probably should. Um, but I love her voice. She her voice mm-hmm. is it's voluptuous and delicious, and like the way she talks mm-hmm. about foods, you immediately want to stop what you're doing and go cook. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, she's very passionate about it. Mark, we have run out of time. Uh, quick topic. Uh, we should talk about food more often. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd be happy to do that. Well, thanks, folks, for listening to uh, this episode, episode seven of the North and South of Things. And we'll chat with you soon. Until next time, Mark. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North and South of Things. More information available at northandsouthofthings.com. Follow Mark on Twitter at Laughing Buddha. That's L-A-F-F-I-N-G-B-U-D-D-H-A. And George at George in Atlanta. Our podcast theme music is provided by podcastthemes.com.